All right, well, uh, good morning. Welcome to the jar. We're so glad that you're here today. And uh, you can go ahead and share that uh, commercial if you want on your Facebook page. Just go to the jar Facebook page and uh, share it with your friends. That'd be awesome. Um, hey, today we have First Steps with Chris. And so uh, if I haven't had a chance to personally uh, connect with you, I uh, would love to do that. This is just a way for me to get to know you. It'll be right after church uh, today. And uh, lunch is provided, and so is child care. And we'll be done by around 1 o'clock, so uh, uh, low-key kind of way for us to connect. Well, we're in the middle of our uh, series called Stuff Happens. And uh, one of the things that we've learned is that... Uh, we are not in control. One of the illusions in our culture is that we're in control, that we're in charge of things, that uh, we have the run of things. But the reality is, is that even though all of us feel like we're in control, there are times when it comes and it hits a moment in our life where it wakes us up to realize that we're not in control. We have a diagnosis of some kind of disease. There is uh, some kind of cell that gets into our body. Or there is two people coming up to a stop sign and one person doesn't stop and they go through it. And in an instant, we realize what a fool I was to think that I was in control. We're not in control. Stuff just happens. Several, uh, several years ago, uh, when I was about six years old, uh, something happened to me. My uh, buddy Jeff Alderson, I went to his house, and uh, that wasn't anything unusual. I went there almost every day during the summer, and we would play pitch and catch. And there finally came this moment uh, in which he said, uh, you're always going to be the catcher, and I'm going to always be the pitcher. And uh, he was 10 and older than me, so I said, okay. So he decided that he was going to be Nolan Ryan, uh, who was the big pitcher of that day, and I uh, was going to be his catcher. And one particular day during that summer, he came up to me and said, I've got something really excited uh, I want to share with you. I've learned a new pitch. It's called the curveball. And he said, what a curveball is is that uh, it looks like it's coming at the batter, but at the last moment it will curve right into the plate. So all I need you to do is hold your glove right in the middle of your body. Don't move it. Leave it right there, and uh, it will come right to the plate. And I was like, oh, okay. And he said, are you ready? I said, yeah, I'm ready. And so the pitch comes, and I have my glove right in the center of my body, but guess what happened? It never curved. And it hit me right here on the eye, which I still have a scar today, and it blew up my eye. Blood starts going all over the place. I started experiencing pain like I had never had before in my life. I went to the emergency room for the first time in my life, got stitches. And do you know what I learned from this episode? Never trust a 10-year-old. <laughs> I have a 10-year-old. I do not trust her, okay? Never trust a 10-year-old. 
Well, actually, what I remember from that day also is that stuff happens. Is that sometimes your body is fragile. Your health is vulnerable. You're not always in control of what happens to you. So here's a question I want to ask you this morning. What type of scar are you carrying? What are you bringing into this gym today? And what are you carrying in your story? I wonder if there's anything that has happened in your life that has taught you that you're not in control. Maybe an unexpected diagnosis. Maybe it was a loss of a job. Maybe it was a loss of a relationship. And now you're like, I'm not in control. You know, over the past few weeks, we've been honing in on one particular verse of Scripture in Romans 8:28, trying to live with it. And uh, let's read it out loud together. It'll come up on the side screens. And we know that in some things, God works for the good of those who love him. It, what's wrong with this verse? Uh, the word is not some. The word is always. So let's do it this way. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. I just want to make sure you are awake this morning, okay? But, you know, I think it is a reality that if we looked at our own personal version of this verse, what we would say is, no, it's not all, it is some. I think that word some is actually where we live. It's where we believe. We think, sure, God is working on certain particular things in people's lives, but there are some things in life, some things so difficult, and it's hard to see where God is actually at work. I want maybe to believe that God works in all things, but maybe there is some stuff that is just too far from Him, too far away for God's control, for Him to handle. I love the way that the psalmist puts it in Psalm 10. He says this, Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Now, that word trouble uh, is used 112 times uh, in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. And so what you get a sense is that the Israelites, they use this word a whole lot. They expressed it every time trouble came. They actually used it to express their anger and their frustration and their pain and their sorrow toward God. It would sound more like this. Wake up, God. Why are you sleeping? We haven't forgotten about you. Have you forgotten about us? And I want to ask that question to you this morning. Have you ever asked this question before? Why have you forgotten? Maybe you're there today. I mean, have you ever questioned that before? I know I have at different times in my life. And this is what I've learned about God. He is not taken back or upset or angry about that. Because when trouble hits our lives... Asking the question of why is not counter to faith, 
but it actually deepens your faith. So for the rest of our time, I want us to look at a phrase that focuses on trouble that Jesus expressed to us. These words are some of Jesus' last words. And on the night before he is crucified on the cross, he gets his disciples, his best friends together. They start connecting with one another. And in the midst of that, he tells them that once you are left here alone, when I'm no longer with you, this is the way that I want you to live your life. And Jesus then, his very last phrase that he gives to his disciples is this. He says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So what is Jesus trying to teach us in this verse regarding trouble? And this is your first fill in the phrase. It's just that very first sentence of this verse. In this world, you will have what? You're going to have trouble. Jesus is just very matter of fact. You're going to have trouble. Don't be surprised when things don't turn out the way that you want. Don't be surprised when stuff happens not the way that you had planned. Whatever your master plan is for your life, don't be upset when it changes. Because trouble happens. That's just life. One of the things that I love about Jesus is that he is always truthful to us. He always tells the truth. He actually said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He never pulls back to kind of spin the truth or make the truth look differently. So he comes to us and he says, in this world, you will have trouble. Aren't you glad that you came today? You're like, I didn't need to come this morning and get the kids up and get everybody ready to know that there is trouble in this world. Thank you, Jesus. You know, appreciate that. But it's true, folks. Life is difficult. Don't get too close or too attached to what you think your master plan is because when trouble hits, there will be potholes and there will be speed bumps and there will be detours. So what does Jesus mean by trouble? Well, there are four different kinds of categories that Scripture speaks to that deals with trouble or pain that hits our lives. You might say these are four different kind of pains that that kind of happen in life here's the first one pain from bad choices pain from bad choices these are choices that we make that causes pain for ourselves for instance my wife a few years ago we bought these cutco knives you ever buy any of those before You better take out a loan to buy them, I'll tell you that much. But she's cutting up and she's not paying attention and she cuts her finger. Now, who created that pain? She said, I did. She had to go to the ER, she had to get some stitches. No, she caused that pain on her own. And then she tried to pass the blame on me. Because I bought the knives. Now, 
How many of you have ever cast blame on somebody else for a bad choice that you made? Raise your hand. How many of you have ever passed blame on somebody else for a bad choice you made? Put your hand down. And those people that didn't raise their hand, what do we call them? They're liars. Because we all have, everyone has done that. Sometimes we blame God for our troubles. We go through some difficult thing because we made a poor choice and we blame God. And folks, this is what I found to be true about me. When I make a bad choice, I create pain for myself. Now, in order to try to not make as many bad choices, once a week I meet with Chuck Mock, who oversees our Celebrate Recovery group, and he and I talk about the choices that we've made, and then we hold each other accountable for turning it around. And there are multiple times when I've sat there in front of Chuck, and I'll start trying to, you know, kind of, blame somebody else or someone in the church did this or someone on staff or whatever that is. And he'll look at me and he'll say, Chris, you're a part of the problem. You just got to love somebody like that, don't you? Some of you won't go to celebrate recovery now because you're like, hey, he's going to tell me I'm part of the problem. Well, when you make bad choices and you create pain, you are a part of of the problem. So to help everyone out, I'd like you to turn to the person beside you who is in denial right now and just tell them you're a part of the problem. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Doesn't that feel good? I just like help so many marriages right now, you know? Okay, so there is pain from bad choices. There's also pain from good choices. Sometimes pain or trouble comes because we're trying to do the right thing. For example, you decide not to work overtime so that you can spend more time with your family. But when you do that, all of a sudden you get passed over for a promotion that someone else takes. Maybe there is a person who decides, I'm going to have some healthy boundaries regarding my particular dating process, but... The person that you're dating is like, I don't want any boundaries, and you lose the relationship, and now you're alone. Maybe you have given some feedback to someone in your family or a friend, and you shared with them exactly what you were thinking, and they didn't take it so well. And now all of a sudden, the relationship is broken. Maybe there was a person in your life who was in dire straits, someone that's a friend, and so you gave them some money. And then they never paid you back. And many times, folks, the trouble that comes for us when we make good choices, the pain that comes from that, is that all of a sudden we start feeling these things. Anger, bitterness, resentment towards the other person. I made the good choice and they have hurt me. So there's pain from our good choices, pain from our bad choices, and also then pain from loss. Here's the thing about loss. Loss hits every single person. All of us will experience loss. There are so many forms of loss that you and I deal with, that we experience, that we walk through, that we work through. Sickness is a loss of health. 
Unemployment is a loss of work. Divorce is a loss of a relationship. Betrayal is a loss of a friendship. Injury is a loss of an ability. Death is a loss of life. And here's the thing, folks. All of us know that loss is coming our way, and yet so often we are unprepared for it. Everyone knows, right, that loss is going to hit in our lives because loss rocks our world. One of Jesus' moments where he actually broke down and Scripture tells us he was weeping and crying was at the loss of his friend named Lazarus who had died. It's the only kind of record we have of Jesus breaking down and weeping like this And in his loss, John gives us the shortest verse in the Bible of what Jesus felt and he dealt with in John 11, 35. And it simply says this, Jesus wept. You could memorize that this week. Jesus wept. But here's the truth, folks. Some of you are weeping today. You may not be a blubbering mess weeping all over the place. But deep down in the crevices of your heart, whether it's with a relationship or with a decision you made or something from your past, there is this sense that there is weeping from a loss of something in your life. So, loss brings pain. And when that happens, we want to give up. So pain comes from our bad choices. Pain comes from our good choices. Pain comes from loss. And then finally, pain comes from senseless suffering. You know, so much of what we watch on television and the news that we experience is in this category. War, child poverty, human trafficking, natural disaster. And that last one, natural disaster, we've seen it hit in amazing ways, overwhelming ways, just horrendous ways. We saw this with the hurricanes that hit Hurricane Irma and Harvey and Maria that hit Texas and Florida and Puerto Rico. And when natural disaster hits, there's kind of a three-stage process that takes place. First of all, people go in to rescue Then they try to recover, and then finally, they try to rebuild. Now, this is what happens. When disaster hits first, there's tons of people that run in to rescue and recover. There's tons of money that's given. There's all kinds of stuff. And people were approaching me saying, hey, are we going to do anything for these victims? And what we decided as a leadership is as we prayed about it, we're like, there's going to be a lot of people that will come and do that on the front side, but then they'll forget about the rebuild part, which is the most important. Think about what's on the news over the last few days. It had nothing to do with Puerto Rico or Texas or Florida. And so we decided we wanted to wait to rebuild. And so we uh, found a organization called Convoy of Hope. And I love their kind of mission. It's that They'll be the first ones to the disaster, but they pride themselves in the fact that in the disaster, they are the last ones to leave, and they help to rebuild. 
So next week, you're going to have an opportunity, Thanksgiving Sunday, to be able to say to God, I'm thankful that my life has not gone through a natural disaster of a hurricane. And there's a little envelope that's in your program where you can pick them up when you leave. And all we're asking you is to pray and ask God, God, what is it that you would have me to give to be able to impact and help these people rebuild? Because many people have already forgotten about Texas and Florida and Puerto Rico. But we don't want to be that kind of church. We want to remember them as they rebuild. But folks, you know, hurricanes don't just turn it naturally. They hit the depths of our lives as well. I can't think of a worse hurricane than a mother's miscarriage or the loss of a child. Or the murder of a family member. Just senseless pain and trouble that seems to impact our lives the most. And we wonder why. And folks, this road, it often leads to something called despair. It can feel like the weight of the world is upon us and we can't get beyond it. In fact, I think Jesus actually pointed to this kind of thing because when we hear this word trouble in the verse that we just read in this world you will have trouble the actual word is called flipsis you don't pronounce the th so let's uh, say that out loud flipsis and he used this word because it wasn't about affliction or difficulty it was about a sense of weightiness and burden and the weight of the world crashing in on us. Folks, in this world, you will have flipses. In this world, you will experience the weight of the world crashing down. And maybe that's your story today. Or maybe that's the story of someone who's close to you. But I want you to know that just because there is pain in this world, it doesn't mean that God caused it Or he wants it to happen. There is an evil one in the world who longs to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, you will have trouble in this world. Now, this is the thing about Jesus. If he simply stopped at that phrase, I would say, don't follow him. Because he's nothing more than an insensitive masochist who likes to see pain and suffering and laugh from heaven going, ha, 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 look what happened to you. But he goes on to give us something more when trouble happens by saying this, but take heart, I have, what's the word? Overcome the world. Take heart, I have overcome the world. He says, I may not fix the problem immediately. I may not going to deal with it right now. I'm not going to be able to immediately make your, your life perfect all at once. I could, but no, there's something greater, more important that I want you to know, and that is this. I have overcome the world. And that word overcome means to conquer, to defeat, to have victory over. Folks, Jesus is up to something much bigger than just self-help or quick fixes to your life. He is 
about something much more stronger than just our troubles. Jesus has overcome the world. And he did this by taking all of the sins that are collectively in this room, everything you've ever done in your life, he took it upon himself on the cross and made himself nothing, and he died a criminal's death. And everyone looked at him on the cross and said, see, his story wasn't true. wasn't true at all. They put him into a grave. All hope is gone. It's a loss. Senseless suffering. Who is this guy? But then he rose from the grave. And because of that, you and I have the ability to have life as well. Not just life here on earth, but life beyond this life. Because when Jesus came and he died on a cross, he took on the sins of all of us to change the world. And at that moment, everything changed. The universe changed. The world changed. Because God gave us a hope that was beyond this world. And we're reminded that this world is not the end. This place is not our final resting place. Because like I have shared so many times before, your life here on this earth is like one grain of sand, but your life in eternity is like all the other grains of sand in the world. Folks, in this world, you will have trouble. You will be tempted to think it's going to be always this way. But Jesus says, but take heart. Jesus knows How the story ends. And he says it doesn't end with tears and pain and sorrow. It ends a different way. And listen to how the Bible envisions it. In Revelation, at the end of the book, it says this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or, what's it say? Or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Folks, whatever trouble you're facing this morning, it will not get the last word. So what I want to do is give you three words, three phrases of encouragement that you can take with you anytime you are feeling like you want to give up. When you want to throw in the towel, when it's too heavy and the weight and trouble. And you're going to need these words if you're going through trouble right now. And if everything's good and everything's great, there'll be a time in your life when you'll need these words. So you'll want to write them down. And the first phrase of encouragement of these words is this. Don't give up. Don't give up. I don't think some of you believe it, so let's say it out loud together. Okay, one, two, three. Don't give up. Don't give up. For some of you, where the pain feels so great and the hope feels so faint, and you feel like throwing in the towel and giving up, remember Jesus' words, take heart. Now, these words are very important because literally what they're translated into is have courage. Be bold. Don't give up. 
instead of assuming that that hurt habit or hang-up is never going to change, ask for some help. That's why we have Celebrate Recovery on Thursdays at 7 o'clock. Because we don't want you to hurt alone for you to actually come and have some people who will come around you and encourage you to not give up. Get into a small group to not give up. Instead of quitting your job, go in tomorrow and say, God, help me be the best self that I can be. Just don't give up. Instead of checking out of a relationship that's going through a difficulty right now, do the hard thing of praying, confronting, apologizing, loving, even when it's difficult, just don't give up. Instead of giving up on your faith because things and circumstances haven't been going the way that you want, keep praying, keep believing that Jesus has his way. Don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. I'd like you to hear a story of someone who can address this whole issue of when trouble happens much more than I can in words. And it's from a woman in our church named Nancy. And what happened into her life, she could have easily, and many people would have said she should have done that, just give up. But I want you to see what she did. Let's take a look. My name is Nancy Barrett, and I, I originally became acquainted with the jar through Grief Share. In 1962, um, I had been married just a year and had my first son, and he was stillborn. But that was my first loss. And then in 2008, um, my son Jeff. He was out in Oklahoma, and he, he was a semi-truck driver. And he ran into another semi that was traveling at 35, 30 or 35 miles an hour on the highway. Um, and there was a fire as a result of the collision. And he was identified then through dental records. He was 39 at the time and was married and had four children. My son Scott was also a semi-truck driver. On uh, July of 2014, Scott decided to come off the, the, the road and he had always loved construction. Day number nine on his new job framing a house and the ladder collapsed from under him. And he fell between 15 and 20 feet, landed on his head. Um, he was taken to the hospital, put on life support, and it was another devastating loss. Um, Scott is alive today and I'm very grateful for that. Um, his personality's different. Um, he doesn't have all the capabilities that he had in the past. I don't believe I ever had doubts about God. 
um, I think it strengthened my faith. I believe it uh, brought everything into proper priority in my life. One thing I learned very strongly is that God's in control and I'm not. <laughs> God's always there for you. You're never alone. You know, folks, times, uh, you know, folks, sometimes we don't get to a place where we have full understanding of a situation. Sometimes we don't get our question of why answered. And what Nancy finally realized was that those things may never be answered for her, but there was a God that was still present and in control and that he would never leave her. She would never be alone. That he was in control. That she wouldn't be alone. Here's a second word of encouragement I want to give you, and it's this. Jesus can bring good from any evil. Jesus can bring good from any evil. John, one of Jesus' closest friends, one day was with his with the disciples. And they came upon a man who was blind. He was born that way from birth. And they go to Jesus and they ask him, they challenged him about his situation. This is what they said. They said, Rabbi, teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? In other words, who's to blame for this? Who's at fault? Why did this happen? And listen to how Jesus responded. He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Jesus doesn't always give us the answer to why. But he insists he can use the worst suffering for good. He can bring people closer together. He can allow there to be friendships that are built. God can use any pain in our lives to bless others. I mean, people who have gone through some kind of trouble or some kind of hurt, they are exactly the most qualified people to help somebody else going through that same issue. And it's through grief share that Nancy learned that, that now she's helped dozens and dozens and dozens of people who have experienced horrible loss. And Jesus brought good, even out what was something that was evil. And he's using her now to be able to encourage the people who have had loss, who have gone there. Now, this doesn't make our suffering right. It doesn't mean that we should sit there and go, oh, it's okay. Don't fight against injustice or disease or those kind of things. But suffering is never for nothing. The story of the cross is that Jesus was willing to suffer much. Why? Because there was a greater payoff for you and for me. All of sins forgiven. The greatest redemptive plan ever to the world. 
Because just as Jesus' trouble wasn't for nothing, your troubles aren't for nothing either. Because Jesus can bring good out of any evil. And then here's the final word of encouragement, and it's this. You're not alone. You're not alone. God is with you. God suffers with you. That's why I chose Jesus over Muhammad or Buddha or anyone else. Because he understands what suffering is. He says, in this world you will have trouble. I get it. I lived it. I understand. Tension in your marriage. Loneliness in your heart. Financial troubles with your family. The struggle that's playing out at your work life. The grief over the loss of a loved one. God knows. In your program, there was a little handout that says surviving the holidays. And tomorrow, Nancy is going to be at the church office and is inviting anyone to come who is experiencing loss of someone in their life for the first time or the tenth time to be able to work through that. And maybe you're not going through that right now, but you have a friend or someone close to your family or someone at work. Why not invite them and then you go with them? It's just a one-time kind of deal to work through that loss and to know that you don't do it alone. Folks, Jesus didn't come into this world to explain our suffering. He came into the world to share it. He actually wants to take it on. I love the way that the psalmist puts it in Psalm 10. He says this, But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief... And take it in, what's the last word? He says, you take it in hand. You know, being a PK, I had to sing a lot of songs. Even ones I didn't want to sing. In church. But there was one song that was my favorite. And the song was, he's got the whole world in his hand. He has cancer in his hand. Hands that he can hold divorce. Hands that can hold sickness. Hands that can hold even death. Hands that will bear the scars of the nails on the cross. Today, Jesus says to this, to each of us, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I don't know what's going on in your life right now. I don't know what trouble you're experiencing. I don't know what discouragement you're going through. I don't know what kind of difficulty you might be experiencing. But this is what I know. I know that the age of six... When I got my eye cut, ever since that day, every time I look in the mirror, I look at this left eyebrow, and there is a scar. And what I do not remember 
is not just the pain and the hurt and the frustration and the uncertainty and the fear. But what I remember is my dad running across a yard and taking me into his hands and holding me with blood pouring out of my face all over him. And he chose to never, ever let go all the way to the ER. He held me tight. He never let go. And today, even greater than what a human father could do, your heavenly father reaches out to you in the midst of your trouble. And he says, I will hold you in my hands. And I will never, never let go. Let's stand. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. Even when I'm gone in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back, I know you are near. And I will fear no evil, for my God is with coming for the heart that holds on a glorious sight beyond all compare there will be an end to these troubles but till that it comes we'll live to know you here on the earth I will fear no Yeah.
our uh, prayer team to come up. They'll be on both sides of the screen. And maybe you're here today and you're going through some kind of trouble, some kind of uh, struggle in your life. And you know God, you follow God, but you just need some encouragement. You need someone else to lift you up in prayer. So I'd invite you to come up here and get some prayer. And maybe for some of you, the reality is, is that today... You need a God in your life. You've never made a commitment to Christ before, but today is the day where you're like, I need Him. I need a God who will never let go, who will forgive me, who will love me, who will not walk away. And if that's you today, back in the back corner, so we don't call you out in front of anybody, Tom's back there and he would love to just pray with you, to have you make that commitment, and then to give you a Bible and to help you on your path, on your walk. So if you're going through trouble or hurt, don't go alone. Get some prayer. And if you need today to make that commitment to Christ, then go back there to the table. He'd love to pray with you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for what you did in this place today. You're an amazing God. And we thank you, God, that when trouble happens, that you are present and you never let go of us. Thank you for reminding us, God, to never give up. That Jesus can bring good out of any evil. And that we are never, ever alone. Help us this week, God, to trust you more than we trust ourselves. And when trouble happens, to turn to you first. I pray this in Jesus' name. Hey, first steps right after this. We'd love to meet you. Otherwise, have a great week. Know that you're loved in this place. Thanks.